This is the Colts Free Agent Tracker, a look at some key in-house free agents this offseason. In the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, here's the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. All right, let's do it again. Welcome back to our Free Agent Tracker podcast series here on Colts.com, the Colts mobile app, and the Colts audio network. I'm in studio with J.J. Stangovitz and Ring of Honor wide receiver member Bill Brooks. And NFL free agency, we're getting closer and closer. Less than a month away, March 15th, Colts have 17 unrestricted or restricted free agents heading towards new contracts potentially here in the Circle City. We'll see how it all plays out. To this point on our free agent uh, tracker podcast series, we've talked about Ashton Doolin, Bobby O'Karake. We've talked about Dennis Kelly, Matt Pryor, Taekwon Lewis, Ben Banigou, Paris Campbell last week. And then earlier this week, we uh, we dove in on Brandon Faison and Rodney McLeod. Check all of those podcasts out on demand right now on your schedule here on the Colts Audio Network. But today we're talking about special teams, Bill and J.J. Bill, you spent some time on special teams. You returned punts back in the day, did you not? Yes, I did. Returned punts, and uh, my rookie year also returned a few kickoffs as well. And you uh, any house calls? Uh, no. You got close. No, I know I got you got cl- close a couple was, of times. That, I got close maybe once in preseason. <laughs> I, I don't think it was in regular season. In preseason, I got m- close a little bit. Right. Well, another uh, layer to all of this, of course, the Colts looking for a new special teams coordinator as we sit here and talk right now, recording this podcast. Bubba Ventrone moving on, going to the Cleveland Browns to be their special teams coordinator, also getting a little bit of a bump in terms of title uh, assistant head coach to Ste- uh, Kevin Stefanski. So we'll see how that all plays out for the Colts in terms of making a, uh, a hire as their special teams coordinator. But let's talk about Matt Hawk today and Chase McLaughlin. Hawk is a free agent punter. McLaughlin is a free agent kicker. So we'll talk about Hawk first, signed by the Colts very late in training camp last year on August 24th after the injury to Rigoberto Sanchez. We all remember that uh, the day uh, before Rigo goes down, uh, Matt Hawk's brought in, but Rigo goes down during a conditioning drill, uh, doing sprints, uh, suffered an Achilles injury, was lost for the season. So Matt Hawk uh, came in. He was signed, punted in all 17 games after being waived by the Buffalo Bills, punted 70 times for an average of 44.8. His average last season ranked 26th in the NFL. His net was 23rd. But he did have 28 punts inside the 20, which ranked ninth. So, Bill, what did you make of the season of Matt Hawk last year? And in terms of what he was able to give you last season, I mean, that was a, a tough you know, role for him to come in, you know, getting waived by Buffalo. And next day comes in, uh, tries out for the Colts. Then he's the Colts punter. Um, that was a lot for him to deal with right away. But after he settled in, what did you make of Matt Hawk's campaign last year? As you said, I thought it was a whirlwind for him, you know, after getting away from Buffalo and then coming in and having to prove yourself here in Indianapolis. I thought after he got settled and got here and did a nice job. I mean, for someone to come in like that uh, to a new system, new uh, bunch of guys, just get acclimated to the your teammates into the system. Right. It's not an easy thing. So I, th- I thought he did a nice job and not just – Punting the ball, you know, you, you chronicled it, 44.8 yards average. But he did a nice job holding the football as well, mm-hmm. four extra points and field goals. So that was something important. People overlooked those things, and it's not easy during that process as far as the snapper, the holder, and, of course, the kicker for extra points and field goals. So I thought I thought he did a nice job in mm-hmm. that area as well. Uh, J.J., if you look at it, I mean, he averaged less than, than 40 yards per punt in five games last season. A lot of casual fans just look at the average. They look at the gross, how long are the punts, those types of things. I think it's a little bit more hidden than that in terms of Matt Hawk's season last year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think 
you know, obviously the punter is the the crux of it, but as a whole, you kind of have to look at the punt coverage. And you know, was Matt Hawk putting his coverage players in position to make plays? And and he was. Uh, if you look at the Colts last year, they were seventh in the NFL in uh, yards per punt return allowed at seven point four. Mm-hmm. So that tells you that you know Matt Hawk was putting his his guys in position to make plays. The Colts were not consistently getting gashed on punt returns because he was, you know, punting it to the wrong direction that it was supposed to go or, you know, there are other things with the operation that were going wrong. So, you know, I give a lot of credit to Matt Hawk stepping in and and being just a, a functional punter back there where there was really only maybe one or two games where, you know, he he fell off a little bit. I think the Colts brought in uh, a kid they signed to the practice squad for a week or two after one of those, and then I think they tried out some punters after one of those other weeks yeah. but never wound up making any moves. And, you know, for him to punt for 17 games with Rigo on IR, mm-hmm. um, that that's a, a very important thing that Matt Hawk filled for this team in 2022. Yeah, this is for both of you. I, I talked about at the outset Rigo Sanchez's injury. He is coming back next year, right? Rigoberto Sanchez is under contract for next season. I'll start with you, Bill. Is there any merit to – re-signing Hawk or any other punter for that matter to have a punting competition in the offseason or has Rigo established himself as such a good punter since 2017 that that really doesn't make sense well I think Rigo has has established himself as a good punter in the National Football League and I think we all know that but Mm -hmm. we don't know how he's coming back from his injury I, I don't know I know how the process is going as far as his rehab and with the injury, so you yeah, remember know, that happened in August, exactly. Right, it happened in yeah, August. late so, August. So hopefully it'll be almost a year by time, right? You no know, training camp starts um, this upcoming season. So you know, for I think maybe for not so much for a competition, but for someone to give Rigo some rest. You know, so Rigo is not maybe punting all the time in, in training camp. A guy that can give mm-hmm. him rest, but also I think it, it helps because it is a little competition there if you bring someone else in, and also it. it, it it gives guys an opportunity to go through live punt, uh, punt return and punt. Sure. Uh, if you got some guy, you got a guy punting out there. So I think it would, it, I think it would be helpful to bring someone in. But I think it's Rigo's job to lose. Yeah, and I, I don't think you see a lot of punting competitions where it's two veterans. Right. Usually, it's the veteran and then an undrafted rookie or yeah. a, a guy taken late in the NFL draft. So probably not for Matt Hawk. But I mean, it is a new special teams coordinator. Um, you know, Bubba Ventrone, obviously, like you mentioned at the top, being in Cleveland. Um, depending on what happens there, you know, you might have someone from the outside, maybe someone internally gets promoted. But mm-hmm. that doesn't also guarantee Rigo a spot on this team. Um, you know, Bubba, Bubba had a very, very good relationship with Rigo, thought very highly of him. The Colts do think very highly of Rigo Sanchez, but maybe it comes down to a new special teams coordinator and the Colts looking to save a little bit of money and maybe not have Rigo and go with someone younger. Um, these are all options that could be on the table for the team. You know, I think you're probably evaluating everything with this roster going forward, but Rigo being under contract for 2023, I think at the bare minimum means, yeah. you know, you thank Matt Hawk for his service and, uh, you know, appreciate what he did in 2022, but it seems pretty unlikely that he would be back. Man, time is flying. I mean, it feels like you've been here for a long time <laughs> talking about just that glass comment, J.J., about – Know, trying to maybe save some money at punter or maybe go younger with Rigoberto Sanchez. I mean, it feels like he just got here in 2017. That's because when you think back to how long it's been since Pat McAfee's been on the roster, that seems like forever ago. But 
really it hasn't been. I mean, since uh, 2016 for Pat, I think that was his last year. So time is starting to fly. The stability the Colts have had, you know, in the kicking game and the punting game year after year here. All right, let's move to kicker. Talk about Chase McLaughlin, signed by the Colts uh, between weeks one and two last year after uh, being released by the Cleveland Browns last May. His second stint with the Colts came after Rodrigo Blankenship's critical overtime miss in the season opener, that overtime game against the Houston Texans. McLaughlin then would come in. He would knock down 30 of 36 field goals, all 21 PAT, set a franchise record for converting nine field goals of at least 50 yards last year, and last season had a career high in points, scored 111 points during the 2022 campaign. So, again, Bill, I'll start with you. Just your impressed level consistency there with Chase McLaughlin coming in and really not giving the Colts anything to worry about despite the fact he was signed midseason, if you will, between weeks one and two. Yeah, I mean, for someone to come in like that and have the consistency that he had throughout the season, it says a lot about the young off man. Off the street. I mean, right off, right off the street and, you know, 9 for 12 on 50-plus yards. As far as field goals, as you mentioned, 30 for 36. So someone that came in and gave you consistency. And as an offense, you want someone that as you go out there and you, you know that at times you're not going to score every possession. Yeah, You want someone that you can count on, especially if you get roughly around the 50 yards uh, field goal range, that someone that can make them and, and give you some points and you can get something positive out of that drive. So having him come in and being as consistent as he was, coming in off the street and doing what he did, I thought he did a lot. I thought he did well, and also not just that, but also in the kickoffs as well. Yeah. Yeah. J.J., how do you expect this thing to play out? I mean, have the Colts finally found their kicker stability-wise post-Adam Vinatieri in that era? Yeah, it, it's an interesting question because, you know, Chase McLaughlin did do so many good things in 2022, but uh, kicker's one of those positions where unless you got one of the guys, you know, the, yeah. the Justin Tuckers of the world, you're, you see competition. And even if the Colts were to bring Chase McLaughlin back, you still could very well see a you know a kicker coming in on a you know tryout basis. Yeah. Uh, I think the Colts. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's a kicker on the roster right now. Yeah, practice squad. Um, yeah. So you know they already have that guy here, and you know just because uh, you know his name is Lucas Haversick, mm-hmm. just Arizona, he, yeah, right, and he was here. Um, he was here before. He he and McLaughlin were signed the same week. Yes. In 2000. Yeah, they in, were both uh, signed, two. and they spent that, I think, the rest of that week, again, between weeks one and two, as a continued, more or less a continued tryout to see which guy was going to be active on game day. Right. And McLaughlin won it, and then he kept it the rest of the year. But, you know, that that guy's going to be here, and you're probably going to see a competition. I. I guess I'm just hesitant. Maybe it's because I, I, I used to cover the Bears, and I'm a little bit scarred from the <laughs> Cody Parkey experience yeah, where the double doink, they right? signed him to a four-year contract, guaranteed him a bunch of money, and then he had the double doink that knocked him out of the playoffs. So I, I might – this is probably just me speaking. This has nothing to do with Chase McLaughlin. I'm just a little hesitant on uh, you know being like, yeah, you got to sign this guy at kicker. Right. But the thing that I like about Chase McLaughlin is you see this happen with a lot of kickers where – they bounce around early in their careers where they, they, they struggle to establish themselves, but then they start to really figure it out. And this, to me, is notable, that from 2019 to 2020, Chase McLaughlin played for five teams, the 49ers, Chargers, Colts, Jets, and Jaguars. In that time, he went 22 of 28 
on field goals. It's 78.6%, but he averages 59.1 yards per kickoff. Then last year, he's on the Browns for 16 games, 71.4 field goal percentage. It takes a bit of a dip, but mm-hmm. his, his kickoff average goes up to 63 yards, so he adds about four yards to it. Then this year, his kickoff average goes up to 65 yards, and he was really good at the directional stuff that Bubba Ventrone wanted the Colts to do with their kickoff coverage. So what that tells me is that he is he is figuring some things out with, in terms of his leg strength. You can see, like a lot of kickers, Robbie Gold's talked about this, that kickers, you don't really start developing that leg strength until later on. You know, it doesn't just kind of happen immediately. Right. And I think if you're looking at him, you might see a projection of a guy who can be a, you know, an 83, 85, 87% kicker who can be really good on kickoffs. And that has a lot of value in this league. I don't know if it is value to be this guy's, you know, our number one priority in free agency just because kicker is, you know, not that position. No. But if the Colts do re-sign him, you would definitely understand why because you, it's not just expecting him mm-hmm. to do what he did last year. It's expecting him to be better than what he was last year. Yeah, to maybe get a couple of extra yards. And that, to me, the leg strength plus the consistency, Bill, that to me is – you know, it's easy for us to sit here and play GM and, right. and say, spend this money, got to re-sign this guy. Mm-hmm. But to me, this seems in the, you know, qualify this in the bucket of, you know, not an easy decision to make, but but one that you would say, like, all right, this is this is a, a decision that, that shouldn't qualify a ton of thought because I know Chase McLaughlin's a free agent and you're always trying to, you know, massage the roster. You know, where can you get production without having to spend a lot of money? Yes. But – to me, prior to last year, the Colts just didn't have a consistent near-automatic threat kicking long field goals in crunch time, right late in the half, late in the game. And Chase McLaughlin last year routinely stepped up to the plate and knocked down 50-plus yard field goals when the Colts had such a difficult time getting into scoring position, getting touchdowns. It was Chase McLaughlin more often than not, Bill, keeping the Colts close in a lot of these games. Yeah, and that's what you want. You want someone you have confidence in that going into the game that if it does come down to a kick where you need a field goal to tie the game, win the game, you have a guy that can do it, and you feel comfortable with that. A lot of Denver Broncos game. Coach could not get in the end zone, and yeah. know, he did a great job of tying the game up. Five field goals in yes. this game. And so that, that yeah. won the game for us. So those are things that you want on an offense because you know there are going to be times where you're going to struggle. And we just don't know. We don't know what's going to happen in the draft, so we don't know who the coach is going to draft in a, in, a, in a draft. But you draft a young quarterback. And for a young quarterback's confidence, knowing that he can drive down the field mm-hmm. and you're going to get a field goal at least, say you're going to get a field goal, that does a lot for the offense, a lot for the young quarterback as well. Right. So you want a kicker that you have confidence in that can go down there and make field goals. So that's going to do a lot for the team and a lot for the psyche for that young quarterback yeah. as well. And I would, just to piggyback off that, I would have to imagine for a young quarterback, just being competitive in games yes. is a big deal. And it's a lot easier to be competitive when, all right, you know, our offense maybe we're still working out some kinks in the red zone. We're still working out some kinks inside the 40. Mm-hmm. But you know what? If we get there, just don't turn it over. Don't take a sack. Yeah. And get the ball to our kicker, and we can stay in this game, and we can be competitive. That's a, a probably a smart way to go about developing a quarterback in a way that has nothing to do with footwork or you know scheme necessarily it's just hey if we have this guy we're going to be in a lot more games than if you get down to the 30 and your drive stalls and the guy misses it right? yeah or you get in the red zone and you say you know it's third down and you're trying to make a play and all of a sudden 
give the defense credit. They do a good job of defending the play, and you just say, the coach tells you, throw the ball away. We got mm-hmm. three points. Yeah. But then you want to know, hey, we, we throw the ball away. We're going to get the three points from the kicker. So I think it, 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 it helps the offense, and it will be great for the offense if they can believe in the kicker mm-hmm. that they have that's going to go out there and, and score some points for them. That's well said by both of you. J.J. Stangovitz and Bill Brooks, that is a breakdown on the specialist today. And that is a focus on Matt Hawk and Chase McLaughlin. And, guys, we'll do it again one more time next week. I think we wrap up next week as we get closer and closer to free agency. We're wrapping up with Yannick Ngakwe on the defensive side of the ball, also on that unit, EJ Speed at linebacker. So only a couple more to go in terms of uh, rounding out our last couple of free agent tracker podcasts. Again, for Bill and JJ, I'm Matt Taylor. Thanks for following along. This entire time in the offseason, we'll do it again next week on the Free Agent Tracker Podcast right here on the Colts Audio Network.